0: In the culture war, there are no winners, just podcasters. Only a few are willing to risk their lives in the face of some of the dumbest ideas to have ever captured human civilization. Every week, we, Megan Daum and Sarah Hader, humbly accept this mission in order to bring you conversations that are equal parts stunning, brave, and unhinged. Welcome. To a special place in hell. Just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. So we had to. We have to start saying the title of the show. Yeah, Sarah.
1: Yeah. Can't believe the we didn't think of that.
0: They should know. I mean, it should go without
1: saying. It but... should, but maybe I don't think it. I, actually, that's one of those things you have to say. We should have known. But you're getting better at uh, the delivery. At the opening, yeah. I think you should lower your voice an octave if you can. There's
0: probably a way to artificially do that. It is early in the morning for me, you so you can it's take easier. some
1: testosterone.
0: Don't joke. Deepen thought about it. Yeah. Yeah, because we going to get if we took testosterone, we would probably do better on YouTube because it's, you know, it's a man's world.
1: Yeah. In this I think space, so. actually, like, all jokes aside, a little <laughs> bit of it sounds like it might be fun. Um, well, that's the th- just a little people bit. Are but micro, like, micro-dosing just right. It. Yeah. Right before the point where you start to grow extra hair, you know, before your mustache comes in like a little bit, just like <laughs> right right before that point. It feels like it just would be like, um, you know, like a. Like a little happy, energizing oh. pill, you know, like you just get to Well, be your pay
0: would go up instantly,
1: instantly. Um, I would go bald and I would be more confident, I bet. But I don't think I need that would, actually feel like maybe you think you
0: would go bald. So like you would grow, grow hair on your face, but lose it on your
1: head. That's what happens to the, the trans men. And it's really sad mm. that they never they don't see it coming, which is interesting. But, but that's
0: what they say. The bald men are actually have are higher in testosterone. Mm-hmm. Because that's what causes. Well, it's something bust.
1: about testosterone being converted in some way. So it doesn't happen. It's like if you have a specific kind of, you know, I don't know, genes, but like some like you, you have like a thing where if then you have high, high testosterone, uh, you start to lose your hair. I see. But all right. not all well, high T guys have no hair, just some. Right. Just uh, well, the unfortunate.
0: All things. right. Well, speaking of appearance, I have a I have a bone to pick with you. Uh-oh. So Uh-oh. a few episodes ago, mm-hmm. we were talking about Martha Stewart. We were talking about women aging mm-hmm. uh, wrinkles. I was saying that that whole bandy fair photo shoot was about filters primarily. And you mentioned an actress, uh, a French actress who you had seen recently in a film. Uh, what was the name of the film can you remember
1: delicious uh, but it's del- del- French okay. so it's like it's
0: fr- de- 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 no, that would be Italian <laughs> yeah, I don't know no. how you say delicious in French but you anyway so she you were going on about this actress and how really wrinkly she was, I was and how <laughs> and how still sexy but she still looked good even though she was incredibly wrinkly and you thought, oh, she's an older woman. She's an older actress. But, you know, you could you still believed her in a flirtatious role. And she had a kind of, you know, sexual energy. And so I thought, oh, who was this? And I looked and I looked this up and I was expecting to find, you know, I thought this was going to be like, um, you know, some Meryl very Street. old. Yeah, no, some uh, I, I thought it was going to be just some sort of, you know, grand dame of French cinema. And it turned out it was Isabelle Carre who is younger than me. Okay. Okay. She's younger than me. She's one year younger. Okay. Than then me. why why are you mad about it? How, because she looks
1: how, older than
0: you. So this is a compliment. But no. But that. But the fact that you are perceiving, you're perceiving th- this person
1: as incredibly old. I did not say she was incredibly old. I said she was older, which is true. Like she's not. She's not a young woman. Okay. But you were like, oh my gosh. Like it was just. It's true. No. 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 I stand by all my comments because. I think it is that there's an age group like from 40s to like 55 that I feel like at that point, you know, they feel a lot of pressure to get a lot of work done. And that's when I see suddenly a star that I whose face I knew really well. Suddenly their face is moving funny. Like that's, that's the age where I start to see that. Like so,
0: Renee Zellweger. Well, all she's of them. An I mean, can you example. think of,
1: I mean, Nicole Kidman, like she became weird at, at that age. Well, her moved Her face does not move funny because it doesn't move. It doesn't. Well, and then Courtney Cox did something funny and then now oh. she fixed it, but she did something oh, funny. Really? A lot of, yeah. You don't remember when Courtney Cox did? she, she had a yeah. lot of, um, she put a lot of things in her face, like injectables in her face, like fillers. And she looked like a totally different person. Um, I wasn't saying that that's incredibly old. I don't think that's an incredibly old age, but I think that's an age where a lot of starlets start to get a lot of work done and then they can't move their faces and especially their lower, like their mouths. I feel like then they can't move their mouths properly and you get that AI kind of feeling about them and it takes away from, (laughs) it takes away. I can move my mouth very well. You can. They need to do stretching, stretching exercises. This is, okay.
0: Yeah, Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I don't think that was an insult. I think it was a it was uh, a I I know you didn't mean it to be an insult, but how could it uh, have been an insult? I mean, I wasn't saying that she was incredibly old. So are you saying that I but you're when are you saying that I look younger than her? Or Yes,
1: you do look younger than her. You do. I I thought you were younger than her. Well, good. Yeah, because
0: you obviously thought she was like in her 60s. I did not
1: think that I thought she was in her 50s and I thought she didn't have any work done. Even though she was in her fifties, which is she rare. probably does in have ha- a little work done. Really? I don't think I don't so. You should, you should you should see her. See her in the movie and okay. and tell me what you think. Because what I think was strange was what I felt was like different about it was that her face was moving in like this really in this way that I no longer anticipate when I watch a movie about, you know, women in their fifties or something.
0: Okay. All right. So she was ex- was able to be expressive. Extremely expressive. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe this is... I would be curious, actually, if uh, European actresses get less work done.
1: I read about it than... a little bit afterwards because I was just so curious. <laughs> and it seems like French actresses do get less work done because it's like you got to you age naturally and that's part of it. But mm-hmm. I'm sure they mm-hmm. get some work done, a good amount of work done, but um, not the way American actresses do. I think that we do some bizarre things to our faces.
0: It is really bizarre. Like the things that people walk around with and it's supposed to be normal.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, it is, uh, it's amazing. That's like, it's, it's, it's one of those emperor's new clothes thing where I think everybody's like pretending that this is attractive and normal.
1: You know, I, I think there's so many trade-offs. I, is it extremely unattractive? It, It is unattractive in some sense. It is, you know, there's, it's not aging isn't gorgeous which is why we're trying to like run from it a little bit but at the same time aging can have a grace aging can have a beauty and i feel like when you fight it to the extent that some of the starlets fight it in america you have the worst of every world like you're never going to yeah. capture your youth and you're also not dignified and graceful right. and elegant and right. interesting like you don't have any of that either you lose everything um so i don't know i don't know i, I you know i'm I'm, I hesitate to judge too much because I don't know what I'll do when I age. What? I'll, I'll you get everything. I'll just be—I'll be completely frozen. My face will be pulled back. You don't need anything because you're right now, a POC. At, you're going to
0: age much better than like the Germanic likes of me.
1: I'm not you're sure if that's true. I think.
0: It's one good thing about having, you know, your mother might not like it that you are dark, mm. but she's gonna like it when you age better than everybody else.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm aging better than some of my lighter cousins, but not all of them. I think so <laughs> much of it is so much of it is genetics. Just you age well or you don't, and I don't. I have no idea what's coming, and I'm scared. No, because I think I'll be, be tempted. I'll be tempted to get that puffy mouth. No, and then I'll do it. Puffy
0: mouth. That that's a. I don't understand that at all. That just is. That has never looked good on anybody.
1: Yeah. But they all sorry keep doing it. They, they won't stop.
0: It's yeah. Okay. I, I, I feel sorry for those people. Anyway. All okay, right. Well, moving on from this riveting topic. Um, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna talk a lot about, uh, that thing we never talk about yeah, uh, gender. Yeah. It's June. It's pride month. Yeah. We're now in pride month. Yeah. So we should really be taking the whole month off from the podcast because uh-huh. otherwise it's, uh, phobic and bigoted
1: so i think we're always phobic and bigoted according to those people you know the kinds of no, people who get should, mad
0: at us so yeah we should observe though we should pride month observed we should just
1: mm-hmm. take so a you Sabbath went to month. uh you went to target
0: i did go to target so a couple weeks investigative ago in, journalism in preparation true, yeah. for this podcast i went to target to see actually what was going on because there did se- seem to be some <clears throat> confusion about the pride month merchandise. If, uh, there was stuff in the children's section that people were getting up in arms about, uh, there was a, uh, talk friendly bathing suit for, for men. Do you even, did you even know what this is?
1: Mm. Do you know what that even means? tuck Friendly, like somewhere where Do you know, what, so you can, tu- you I put, had,
0: I didn't know what, the, I didn't know what this was, you butt, like it, yes, junk in it a, and it
1: hides it or something. Yes. Okay. So, like a little pocket. Right.
0: <laughs> Pockets. <laughs> what are does it so look like? Is um, that what it looks like a pocket. Uh, it's um, it it's uh, like a way if you are a uh, M to F, if you are a trans woman, you uh don't want to uh have your, you know, you don't want to be packing. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if you want to be at the beach. So there's apparently a way I don't there's a way to like physically do tuck that? your your genitals like behind <laughs> so I if you are behind well down enough to even be able to manipulate it like okay. All right. yes there's a way to actually manipulate your genitals in such a way that they are not protruding. Um, Does it hurt? I would imagine.
1: Okay, we need to get some men like listeners to to weigh in on this. yeah, I'm, I'm sure yeah. they will. they will give us a lot of details and like I mean, pictures kind of and like diagrams. The <laughs> male,
0: yeah. The male equivalent of um, a binder, right? Like the, mm-hmm. the seems a lot more complicated for, though. You got to like. For women.
1: Yeah. Tuck and twist and what. Yeah. Right. Tie things yeah, around. I, I mean, what it are you sounds, gonna...
0: It sounds really. Um, it sounds really. Complex. Not, not good. Anyway. So I went into Target and first of all, I, so this was a, a regular Target in, in Los Angeles. Um, I went in there, I looked around the children's section. I did not see any pride stuff. What I did see was a whole bunch of just really garbagey clothes. I cannot believe how tacky the stuff they have for kids is. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, th- that's the scandal, like that they would just have like girls t-shirts with like a mermaid on a, on a cell phone, holding a cell phone. And it says like shell phone, like, like some you kind know of what? sea
1: creature. They it's- love it. Because the, the kids what? they like it. They're tacky. They it's don't have any
0: taste. Absolutely.
1: Kids have no appalling. taste. They have no sense of style.
0: But the parents, it's not up to the. This is not child led fashion. It's up to the parents to buy yeah, clothes. Yeah. We don't have a five year old going into Target and making a clothing choice.
1: Sometimes they have strong opinions, and that's just not the battle you want to pick. So then they're okay. you know then they're in their princess outfit or Spider Man costume, and that's that's just well, the way it's going to
0: be. The Spider-Man costume is fine. I'm talking about just like really, really, really tacky shirts with Mm -hmm. writing on them that just say the stupidest things. It's also
1: the case of like the kind of people who, you know, like this is so this is like a mass appeal store, you know. And so you have like sort of, I guess, basics. That's a way to say it. Basic people going there. And, you know, it's like the kind of moms who have like that block like wood block thing that they hang and it says live learn be happy live, love and that. it just has all yeah it has and it has all kinds of <laughs> you mean basics dumb yeah text on it and like everybody every other you know you yeah, know target has tons of I these know, like variations of these um, but
0: uh, but the kids clothes were extreme i mean i buy clothes at target i like target i like target too
1: i buy kids clothes at target so there there you go um, i buy adult clothes at <laughs> yeah. target I buy kids they clothes. Okay they They do. It's a decent store. It's better than Walmart. Oh, yeah. It's better than Walmart. Oh, if you want I, I enjoy
0: going into Target. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, so I didn't see anything in the kids section. I thought, well, this is, you know, a whole bunch of nothing. And then I uh, went to, then I was actually finally leaving the store and I noticed there was the whole pride section. Mm. And they had these shirts that say, you know, trans people will always exist in huge writing Um, they had, uh, various, you know, some of it was more subtle. They had some gender unicorn, brightly colored stuff. It it was, you know, my, my, my takeaway was that it was like, it it was just extremely on the nose, as they would say. Mm -hmm. It was just not, it it was just, it, it wasn't particularly offensive. It was just kind of tacky and embarrassing, but it turns out, and I did not see the tuck friendly bathing suit. I wasn't looking that hard, but apparently that's the thing that is you know, actually caused the target now to recall a number of items. Mm. Um, they've lost an incredible amount of money. I think the stock price is down. Mm. It, it's really, it was, it's, it's been that a, intense. yeah, 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 no, it's been a huge, a huge disaster. Oh, for I didn't them. think that it was real. Um, I thought it was like the, no, it is real. Uh, and uh, a friend of mine actually was um, in a, in another city. I'm actually going to look this up. Um, uh, and tried to uh buy a uh tried tried to buy an item uh and a very sort of banal innocuous pride item like a t-shirt and like it wouldn't ring up something and then the clerk was like oh no uh this item has been recalled and we literally cannot sell it yeah yeah Um, Hmm. so yeah, so they did remove a couple of things. So talk friendly. Oh, that's funny. They're actually calling this talk friendly women's swimsuits. And that allows trans women who have not had gender affirming operations to conceal male genitals. Um, let's see how thoughtful of them. Let's see, uh, some target stores, many in the rural South, uh, we're relocating some pride merchandise after some conservatives complained. This is according to USA Today, referring to the backlash uh, against, um, for instance, Bud Light for having Dylan Mulvaney in a promotional campaign. I think we've talked about this before, but I just find it really interesting that these marketing departments keep doing this, But uh, who's, even though I mean, who's nobody in marketing? likes it.
1: That's the thing. Who's in mark? Well, who's the kind of well, person people who majors- should know better in marketing. Okay, so this is going to be terrible. And I'm sorry to any marketers who are listening to this and this doesn't describe We have them, a lot of mark- marketing. And they're going to, you so know, and then I'm going to get a mean message and like a one star review. But, you know, I went to a school that had a really good business program and then, but, but it was hard. It was actually really hard. And when you would go into the business program, you would see that within a year or two, there would be like people would, s- you know, separate off into hard business, you know, like math Mathy business, finance, and that kind of banking type stuff, mm-hmm. and soft businesses, marketing, advertising. You mean know? girls, mean the girls, girls. Right. I mean The, women, like the, the and women, the women would, there, go, well, the women yeah. would do the marketing thing, and um, well, not not all women, just the kind of you know dumb ones. Yeah, not again, not all marketers, not all women, not all dumb women. Yeah. All of it. Hashtag yes.
0: not all dumb women. Not all
1: dumb women. But it was definitely a dumb. I, I took a few marketing classes. There were the easy. I can't even believe those were classes. I don't know what. What I, do they nothing, even teach you? Nothing, nothing. Nothing. useful. Nothing that you couldn't get from an infographic online. <laughs> nothing. I mean, it's just. I, I don't know. what... You're just paying for that degree so that you graduate and then you get a job and like you can say, "I have a degree. Um, I, I'm literate." That's the po- that's the point of that degree. I don't. I don't get it. I would not. If I was doing marketing, I wouldn't hire somebody with a marketing degree. I would hire somebody with a, you know, social psychology degree who Hmm. is good at applying these things. Um, A very smart, like anthropologist type who is comfortable with selling out a little bit. That's the kind of, that's the kind of person I would hire because I feel like they have sort of insights into human behavior. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone with an insight to human behavior is also comfortable with applying it yeah presumably that's what marketer is but that's not what actually happens so that's what's happening It it, it, that's what happened against all these departments in these companies like you have these like kind of you know woke-ish women who don't know a lot about what's going on but they want to be cool and they want to they they think they understand they don't understand but they think they understand what's going on and they want to be on the right side of it so i'm not i'm not surprised that Corporate marketing departments are filled with garbage. Uh, you know, people who don't understand anything. That's not.
0: I thought it was really interesting what uh, Ayla was saying last week mm-hmm. about the the dating app campaigns, for instance. Like we were asking why the dating yeah. apps are marketing mm-hmm. themselves as like very kink, mm-hmm. positive and gender fluid and uh, f- major furry mm-hmm. uh, soulmate on <laughs> Tinder. And she said it wasn't because that's the audience, but because the audience wants to be. As scene as the kind of person that is um not even tolerant, we're not even using that word anymore, but f- very friendly and an an ally to those communities. Yeah. Yeah. And that actually I'd never thought of before. It's a pretty obvious point, but it was revelatory to me.
1: Yeah. And it's um like once you sort of apply that thinking across the board. A lot of other, like, insights come to you. And I don't think it's men who are going to these websites and they're like, oh, queer, like, furries making out on the, you know, on the front page of it. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> this is where I want to be. It's because that's where the women are. Um, You know, if there was a more traditional website, I think you might not see as many women or younger women. Um, if you're in a city, you might not see too many younger women. I think there have been attempts to launch right-wing dating sites. Oh. And it's always ridiculous because I think it just doesn't attract women doesn't attract. So
0: I'm trying, look, I I was joking about this for a long time, but I actually think I might try to do this. I think there should be a heterodox dating app. Mm. I don't know why there's not Mm. because uh, you just hear these people complaining about how every single person has their pronouns in their profile. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them are just pretending Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of men going along with it because they think that they have to, in Mm -hmm. order to appease the women. Mm -hmm. And there's just so many people like listening to all these podcasts, and
1: but would the women move over? Would the women move over? So that's like the key. Like if you if you can get the women to move over, you can get the men. They're coming. Like it's like it's like the club dilemma. Like how do you get the girls in?
0: Right. Well, offer it to them for free. It's like uh, ladies ladies night. But then that's actually uh, not heterodox because that's uh, you know you're you're giving special privileges to women.
1: There is a dating app that. that kind of does something like this. Like a um, critical thinking app? Let me let me look it up. It's I, I saw this like on Twitter. Um, it's called Keeper. <laughs> Keeper dating i guess and i think the way that it is is that if you're a woman you don't really i think you don't pay i think that's what it is and and if you're a man (laughs) you pay a lot (laughs) um okay but what it is is that they'll they'll match you like you'll submit this like profile men will submit a profile and they will they will do the matching and you only pay if you're a man, I think you only pay if you get a match i, I can let me just let me actually look at yeah up but because this there's is like the, the very
0: traditional kind of um matchmaking like the high end sort of matchmakers like the men the men pay a lot, although it's funny because people who actually are matchmakers now. Are desperate for men, so the women end up being the ones that are paying. Why? for professional match? Because there's no, it, because there aren't any men for them. So it's a lot of women who are paying for professional matchmaking services. They tend to be older. They're professional. Mm. They have the money to pay for such mm-hmm. things, and it costs lots of money. And the men are just these matchmakers will just like they're constantly out scouting for any man they could find. Mm. So that's where we are evolutionarily. That's sad. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I don't I think that the women would come. I mean, look at all the women that are in the unspeakeasy. I mean, there's this women are like they can't get enough of this and and they're crowding to these spaces. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this inside the unspeakeasy community. I think it could work.
1: I don't know. I just need I to know it, how to
0: build a dating app. I think there are women who would project.
1: come. It's just that there are way more men that would come. So it's not about the fact that you can attract some amount of women. It's that the proportions are wrong. Like I think if you if you opened an unspeakeasy for men, I think you would get like four times the interest easily.
0: Okay. That's so funny that you said that because I floated that to, um, we had the Zoom hangout for the unspeakable the other night. And it's a lot of men come to that. And most of the men were not interested and male-only spaces. Why? And and a few of them were. Well, and it's funny because I actually asked, like I asked my brother, for instance, who's not in this world at all. And he just thought that, first of all, men on balance tend to not be woke. They're, they're not in trafficking yeah, in this stuff yeah. anyway. So they don't feel the need to like find other men uh-huh. so that they can, uh-huh. you know, speak their thought crimes. Like they're doing that anyway. Uh-huh. Um, and he also thought that, men were not likely to get together like in a retreat situation or a group situation and just complain and bitch about things and just talk. Oh, they wanted right. to have a solution.
1: And they, and they want to do things. That's what, that is how men, men bond by doing things together and women right. bond by chatting. Just talking endlessly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you could but, what you could make it is you could make it a a like goal oriented activity centered <laughs> or retreat. shooting,
0: it could be on a target range. It could be you know it could combine it with or shooting. Hunting. Go guns. hunting. That's
1: that's real manly.
0: A heterodox hunting. Hunting. I love it. Retreat. But Sarah, they want you to be the leader of the men's group. I mean, this is I think up more I, I actually
1: I I feel like I would be a great leader of the men's group. I think and I you could, would because you're very bossy. I am bossy. Um, I'm not very sensitive. No, I think they would listen to you. They would respect you. I think I could. Yeah, uh, I, I. All jokes aside, I think I would be. I think I would be good.
0: All right. Well, um, I'm. I'm. We're. You know, we're building out. Yeah. As I as I say, I'm scaling. I'm scaling up. So get ready. I'm going to recruit you. All right. So be. My a, rates are high. Look. So are mine. Okay. Not not high enough. So yeah. Anyway, I don't know how we got on that. Men dating app
1: heterodox. But are there like conservative dating apps there there are, but they always die. they always like uh they, they, they just do. they just always die because unless you're like religious unless you're it's a religious dating app, I think that's mm-hmm. fine um but outside of that, I think they just they die because they're kind of cringy they their marketing actually really is often extremely bad um as cringy as you know woke marketing is I think sometimes conservative marketing is far far cringier yes um. Why? Why, why yeah. can't they get it? Because they, they don't get it they don't, because
0: they always just miss it. They just
1: like it's miss like, the mark. But the, but the mark is so big. You know what I mean? It's like, so, just, if you were just normal. Right. You could do well in this space. Just be no, just be normal. Just don't push. Well, any anybody agenda.
0: could. Any politician could just do. Could just do be well normal, they But they can't do it. Like if Rick DeSantis <laughs> would just be normal. Yeah. Ron. Ron. Rick DeSantis. <laughs> right. What am I thinking of? Centorum. Yeah. Santorum? Yeah sorry, Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis. If he would just be normal, I think a lot of people would uh, find him a lot more palatable, but instead it's like all this, you know, stop woke, don't say gay. By the way, we're not going to dwell on this, but another thing that was really annoying me these last few weeks, this idea that these books are being banned in Florida, I'm still trying to get like a handle on this, but, you know, in the case of uh, the Andrea, Andrea, sorry, Andrea, no, Gorman, Amanda Gorman. I can't remember any names today. Amanda Gorman, the poet, the young woman who spoke at the, who read her poet at, at uh, Biden's inauguration. Mm-hmm. Apparently her book of poetry, The Hill We Climb, was banned in Florida. And she was making hay out of this. She was all over Twitter talking about how she was banned. Um, and when in fact, apparently- it was moved from the elementary school shelving area to the middle school shelving area. And we were having, we were seeing all of these images Mm -hmm. of empty library shelves and school libraries with like construction paper covering the books and everything taped up. And from what I can tell, and I'm trying to look into this still a lot of those images were coming from like activist teachers that were staging this. (laughs) They were taking all the books off their shelves and then taking a picture and then putting it on social media. So everybody can freak out. And the Amanda Gorman complainer was one woman who was like a Cuban emigre. Her English was limited. First of all, she thought that the book was written by Oprah Winfrey because Oprah blurbed the book. So Oprah's name was on the cover this woman was named Daly Salinas. She had somehow the idea that, that the book was about communism or embracing communism, communism in some way. And having recently come from Cuba, she was on a hair trigger about that. And that was all it was. Hmm. And so much of these things are driven by one unhinged, outlying person and then everybody just reacts to it. Yeah. And it seems like what probably happened in that case was that this one woman complained and the school kind of responds by doing a slow walk and moving the book from the elementary school shelf to the middle school shelf. And then it becomes suddenly they're banning books in Florida. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like if, if if Ron DeSantis would just be like, hey guys, this is what's happening this is what this. This is what we're trying to do. We just don't want to have, um, you know, I- I explicit sexual content in K through three, which is all the "Don't Say Gay" bill is actually. At the end of the day, if he would just say that yeah. rather than calling it "Don't Say Gay," he could catch all these people in the middle because he's already got the people on the right. It just seems like basic strategy. Yeah, yeah. That they
1: refuse to implement. They I. Um, yeah, they I don't know why they can't manage this because uh it is true that uh the governor of of Virginia managed it, you know, like so I think there is mm-hmm. there's a way to do it, there's a way to just walk that walk, be intelligent, be normal um Ron DeSantis just feels to me like he's a little bit too online and maybe he needs to like you know log mm. off a little bit um and that would help him. Um, but I also, you know, just the fact that this is a controversy, and I began to, I saw it on my on my feed on Twitter. In my own mind, I've started to think when I see stories like this is it's probably not real. You know, I just move on. And the I think book banning, yeah, the banning itself, like the the book that the that it was a book banning because there, there's so many cases like this crop up all the time. Sometimes they're real, sometimes they're not real. The title is often very misleading. It takes weeks to get to the real story mm-hmm. and I'm not going to do the work. You know, I'm not going to look into every case that's yeah. I'm really I'm not I'm not it's a journalist to look into.
0: I've I been trying, trying to look into, look into, into it. It's actually very difficult. Right. I mean, it's a local the reporting case. has been abominable. The
1: Local reporting is, I mean, non-existent the or terrible. national reporting
0: yeah. has been a bomb. I mean, the National Review actually had the most comprehensive piece I've seen about this. Yeah. Yeah, Some
1: of it, some of this is definitely due to the fact that we don't have local journalism anymore, you know, period. Right. So there could be a little bit of sanity that can be injected into the conversation if local journalists were still around and they were the first people to publish and break a story and break it correctly. Yeah. <laughs> and then it used to be that national, you know, national newspapers would. Take the lead from them, um They'd and up, yeah, and we yeah. pick it pick it up. And but the, but the local journalists would set the baseline, the tone of what's going on, and that tone was a lot more normal and you know less unhinged and less cultural warried. It's hard not for for national newspapers not to just weave everything in into the culture war, and I think that's what they do. But it, it's gotten to the point where I just don't trust them. You know, I I see these headlines. I think maybe it's true. You know, maybe I know, but. The fact that they said it means nothing, and I'm not going to look into it. So it doesn't matter. It's, you know, it just like floats away. You remember the, the, what, what went on during COVID, like early COVID? There was that woman, Rebecca Jones or something. You remember her? And she said uh, she was fired by, by Ron DeSantis because uh, she was like, they wanted her to like mess with the data or something on like the, the, their, their, covid dashboard oh you know they wanted her to do something unethical and that's why she was fired and it was like a big deal i remember being in the news all the time and i remember people saying it like i remember i remember at that time i was thinking you know i was telling i was talking to people about ron DeSantis, and i was thinking you know he's not he's not that bad and i was telling people you know i don't know i don't think he's he's not doing a terrible job um in florida and the people people said to me no he's lying He's here's Rebecca Jones. She's a whistleblower and she exposed him. He wanted her to lie about the data. And it turns out to be like kind of a bogus. She's kind of um, an unhinged person. Uh, She her her whole thing, all of her claims. I think they were uh, mostly revealed to be uh, not substantiated in any real way. Um, And, you know, but people still think of now now that still a stain on. DeSantis, who I don't really like. You know what I mean? No, like, I don't, I don't, to, be I don't clear, to be clear, I don't, I'm I don't not really a like fan. him. Yeah. No, I don't really like him, but he is, he is uh, treated unfairly by, by, by the media. He is, absolutely. So I don't believe there, I don't believe it when they tell me not to like him. Um, you know, I, I will try and find out for myself as best as I can, but I definitely don't take their word for it. I know. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I may,
0: yeah. We're going to have to like not vote. I don't know. You know,
1: I feel like I have a plan on how to vote and it's just, it's just not, I'm not following the horse race at all on purpose. I don't, I'm not going to pay attention to that. I'm going to educate myself my own way. I'm not going to allow, I just don't, I, I think there's too much, uh, misleading journalism out there. It's not even journalism. It's not even reporting. It's just narrative pushing. I don't want to be misled by anybody. I'm not going to you know, log on to Wall Street Journal or New York Times or whatever. I don't. I'm not interested. You're gonna
0: and, take your own polls. That's what you're. I'm saying.
1: gonna wait until it's closer to w- voting time. I'm going to watch um, as many speeches as I can of these candidates. I'm going to try and do try and look into how they actually voted, um, like historically. And I'm going to look at their websites. I'm going to look into what they promise to do now. And I'm going to use that information to vote. And I'm not going to pay attention to what the horse race, you know, journalists have to say beat by beat, week by week. I OK, I feel like looking at their websites isn't necessarily. Well, helpful, they'll, they'll but... tell you what they plan to do, at least like right. it, it, it's not a way to know who's great, but it, it, it can be a way to know that. Well, I definitely don't want that. You know, I definitely don't want uh, Medicare for all, or I definitely don't want Medicare to be, you know, destroyed overnight. So if they, I
0: don't want it to be destroyed overnight because, you know, I'm so old. It's that soon at your be age. Me and, um, you're me not and already Isabel oh, using it.
1: it. You're not, um, I should, yeah,
0: I know hmm. commit fraud. No, I'm nowhere near using that.
1: How Please. old do you, how old, um, do you have to be to use Medicaid retired? Medicaid, oh, medi- is. Medicare. For oh, sorry, Med- Medicare. Look, oh, sorry.
0: Medicaid. I could probably use. That's yeah. if you're okay. v- under a certain income level.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, right, right. uh, yes,
0: okay. um, if we, uh, this time next year we'll be rolling in the dough, but, uh, f- for now we're, we're both Medicaid, Medicaid level podcasters. Um, I think you have to be 65. Okay. Dead, uh, Medicare.
1: They haven't moved yeah. it up to 67 or anything. No, still mm-hmm. 65.
0: Not yet. Anyway, all right. Well, we're gonna talk about uh, some uh, AGP.
1: AGP. Yeah, you know me.
0: Yeah. I, do you uh, know people don't know what AGP is? Do we want to tell them? Uh, it sounds we don't like an oil them. company. Yeah. It sounds like a like a man, you know, manufacturer of some kind of.
1: What very, would you have uh, said? Dangerous substance. It does sound it. It sounds like a disorder. If I had just heard of it, that's what I would say. AGP. Yeah. Or like um, an insurance company, yeah. I know. You know what I mean?
0: It does sound like an insurance company. And it's, yeah, it sounds like an oil company, uh, like something that would be on the side of a building, which maybe it will be soon. Mm. So AGP stands for autogonophilia, And this is a, a paraphilia that uh, we see in a, a certain subset of uh, trans-identified Natal males. Mm-hmm. And it's this is verboten. We're not supposed to talk about it. It has come up on the show a couple of times. Yeah. But basically, this is the condition of um, correct me if I'm getting this not entirely right, but feeling uh aroused by the idea of yourself as a woman
1: mm-hmm.
0: if you are a biological male. Mm-hmm. And this can be anything from like dressing up in a like sexually provocative way and being in a sexual situation to even something like feeling threatened as a woman or like having your period, like the idea of walking down the street and feeling threatened, um, is sometimes seen by these people as a fundamentally female condition or experience. And so then that experience in and of itself, becomes erotic
1: and and some people some sex you know uh, researchers have considered this kind of an orientation others Mm -hmm. will say that it's you know just a paraphilia um i don't feel like the orientation I, i don't think that 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 label applies i'm not a sex researcher but it just doesn't seem like it makes sense to me to um uh to 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 consider it an orientation given that Yes, it might be the case that some people can't really change it. Um, This is just how their sexuality developed. This is what they've been attracted to since they were very young. Uh, Sometimes kids, you know, that it was their first erotic experience um, uh, was in imagining themselves this way. So for some people, it might feel like uh, an orientation. But I think that there there are a lot of people who have kinks who would describe their kinks in the same way. They will say that was the first Mm -hmm. the first time I ever got aroused was when I was, you know, I don't know being choked by the school bully or something. I don't know (laughs) if I made that up, but Mm -hmm. you never know what arouses you the first time. And then sometimes for some people, this is just how they continue. Um, And their mind connects the two experiences and they continue following that path until it's hard for them to find sexual pleasure in any other kind of scenario. Um, But that that, that happens to a lot of kinks. That doesn't make it an orientation, I think. So I, I, I don't think that that's a a good characterization, right. but it does speak to the fact that for some men, it is really hard to change this desire. It's just something that they felt for a very long time. And they continue to feel, having said that, there is a um, growing percentage of like new AGPers, you know, it can be induced and is induced um, online. And there's, if you poke around and like the more, you know, hidden corners of the internet, you'll find men Speaking openly about this um, uh, yeah. forums in which men talk about uh, porn addiction. This is a frequent topic um, that they, you know, they they become uh, extremely, you know, obsessed with porn, addicted to porn, and as they watch more and more of it, they need, you know, they need novelty and whatever was attractive when they first started watching porn no longer um gets them aroused so they seek something new. Um and they keep seeking it and seeking and seeking it until they land here. You know, they go through different para- paraphilias until or kinks until they end up here. Um and you know uh and this one you can, you know, walk down pretty a a pretty long path. Um for some amount of male to female transgender people, this is the this is the big you know the elephant the elephant in the room the one that the the the, the well, big this is
0: the, the third rail the, yeah, yes the,
1: the motivating factor that you're not allowed to talk about um and once right. you see this it explains a lot of confusing elements right because there's there are so many male to female transgender people who don't strike don't strike you as very like don't strike me as extremely feminine you know they might be like beta males but they are males um and sometimes they're mm. alpha males sometimes they seem just masculine in every way um and then you think w- in what sense are you a woman what about femaleness do you identify with and they you know talk about clothes and lipstick and it's and lingerie yeah, it's and this, then it becomes very sexualized
0: well and it's this right it's very it's this cartoonish hyper sexualized feminine it's it's woman face it's woman you know, face yeah it's like the female version of, of blackface right so ray blanchard is the one that um coined the term autogynophilia it was the sex researcher who started talking about this and he you know basically lost his entire career uh because of this and um mike bailey is the other researcher who's talked about this B- bailey and blanchard are sort of associated with a lot of these concepts Um, and so people are probably like, why are you bothering to talk about this? And I think that like, this actually does go back to a lot of the target stuff. Like it's the, the pride month, um, aesthetic Mm -hmm. seems very driven by this kind of exaggerated hypersexuality, very much in your face, um, kink positive, we're it's, it's not just we're here, we're queer. Like that's the kind of like, you know, queer pride 1.0 version. Now this is like, um, we are this kind of um, aggressive sexual presentation has always been here. We will not be erased uh, to deny us uh, is a, is a form of violence uh, and we are and, and if we behave violently, it's only uh, in response to this this incredible bigotry and discrimination that we're that we're seeking that we're experiencing. And it's like so unfortunate because it's only a really tiny minority of people in the so-called trans community that are behaving this way and they are setting the tone for the whole thing. And it's incredibly destructive to most trans people yeah. including most AGP people. I mean there are a lot of AGP um individuals who are not aggressive at all. Yeah. and are just normal nice people who recognize that they have this and have decided to transition. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah.
0: or not yeah. in order to to
1: to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. I, well, to be clear, like it's it's not the case that it, it is the case that a small percentage of You know, the LGBTQ population is this kind of like loud and aggressive activists, but it is not the case that AGP, you know, males make up a small percentage of the male to female like transitioners. We don't know the exact number. Um, And there are various studies that one can can use as evidence of the fact that they kind of make up they make up, uh, in fact, not as not a small percent, not a not a minority, but Mm -hmm. maybe even a majority of the transitioners, it's hard to know for sure. Um, It's definitely something you can't talk about openly. And it is for very understandable reasons denied by the uh, male to female transgender population. Um, Except for everybody. Well, it's denied by any activist. right. Of course, but you have have to, you have to deny this because it, it it takes a very um, it, it takes a very certain kind of person to, learn this about the population and and not feel differently about the you know the struggle the movement as a whole um once this is kind of out of the box and I think it already is you know I think it's it's already become I I see a discussions and references to AGP on Twitter on in like conversations like conversations where I wouldn't think that Anybody, any of the participants would know what AGP even is. Mm, um, mm-hmm. So there was a point, I think, years ago where I knew what it was. Um, and I knew that it was sort of the, the elephant in the room. Um, and it was discussed in like gender critical forums and that kind of that kind of space and trolly kind of Kiwi farms type places. But uh, and 4chan type spaces, but nowhere else, really. Um, and now it's become, I think. Recognized by more people who have an interest in this um as real, you know, not 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 a hallucination by anyone, not a, an attempt to smear uh trans people, but just a true thing that's happening. And it's interesting because one of the first people who brought it up and was publishing about this was Ann Lawrence. You know, there's Bailey mm-hmm. um and uh, uh Blanchard who were, you know, who 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 wrote quite a bit and and did the first like explorations into this paraphilia, but Anne Lawrence, um, is a trans woman, um, you know, male to female, um, who identifies as AGP and wrote about it quite a bit. Um, yep.
0: Her book is men trapped in men's bodies. Yes. yes. Narratives of autogynophilic transsexualism. Yes. Yes. Yep.
1: Yes. So there are, you know, there are trans people who talk about it and they, it, you know, you know admit to it or even want it to be studied or understood better um in the public that actually exists so that's something that denialists have to have to reckon with that you know there are trans women who are talking about this openly it's just hard i think to once you start once you open this box you know and you know let let it all out uh the implications for the movement are you know they're pretty serious it means that there are some things that can be allowed and some things that we have to really question Um, more deeply before we as a public think that it's acceptable. The bathroom debate, of course, changes dramatically because of it. Um, Locker room, that kind of stuff. All of it really, suddenly it it has a different tone and feel.
0: Okay, but we should clarify because people are going to hear this and say, but wait a second, if these people are just having this experience, what does it matter if they're using a locker room or in a bathroom because this is like Mm -hmm. supposedly some kind of self-contained experience. And then what others will say, what a lot of the radical feminists have pointed out is that in their view, and I'm not saying this is how I necessarily see this, but I do see this argument. And frankly, I just don't know, but they will say that part of the autogynophilic um, demand is actually you they are actually sort of recruiting the people around them to participate in their sexual fantasy Mm -hmm. just by virtue of the fact that walking around uh, and presenting in this manner is a turn on to them so basically Mm -hmm. their their entire being their their self-presentation is a sexual act sort of in and of itself. And so then having other people perceive them as women is effectively recruiting those people into like a sexual interaction, even if it's all sort of in the brain of this person
1: and not something they consented to. Right. Like I don't, I don't consent to, I don't consent to participating in this, even if I'm tolerant of it. Um, but I don't want to participate. Um, but then,
0: okay. But then the argument would be, well, how is that any different than like any given person walking down the street and seeing somebody and having a sexual fantasy about them? I mean, most men are walking around and seeing a young woman and having a series of thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like what's the difference?
1: I think the difference is that, well, uh, one, because we're aware of it. <laughs> like it, it, if, um, you know, I'm where I'm at a, uh, uh, going to a beach and I choose to wear a kind of bathing suit, you know, that is a top friendly bathing suit. Maybe it's very skimpy. I'm wearing a very <laughs> skimpy, or maybe I go to a topless, I, I go to a topless beach. You know, I'm aware that if I go to a topless beach, there are some amount of pervs, you know, and there are some Probably people who fewer. are,
0: I think the people who go to nude beaches are some of the, uh, least sexually. Really? arousing people.
1: (laughs) Well, sure. But uh, the point is is that there are, there are some, some amount of people who are there because they want to oogle at other people. And I know that going in. And I think that's a very different, uh, that's a very different experience. Um, because I feels like it's, it's a little bit, even if I don't entirely consent, I'm at least aware of the possibility that this, that's what this is. Um, And if some guy comes up to me with a camera, you know, um, I couldn't say no, I don't consent to you taking a picture of me. I don't know if he if he just comes up without a camera, maybe he's just being he's aroused anyway and he's talking to me, he's staring at me, he's still aroused. Um, I don't know. You know, so that it that's it's true that I don't know, but it's still a possibility in my mind um, because of the situation. In the case of this, we're told that this is not a sexual thing you know, that this is an identity thing that it has nothing to do with sexual arousal. And I think women should be allowed to consent or not consent. Like they should be allowed, like if a, if a woman wants to wear, we do allow women to wear burkas if they want to wear burkas. if they want to say, I don't want any man to look at me. I don't want any man to look at my legs or look at my face or look at my, you know, whatever. Like we allow them to to cover quite a bit of their bodies. They don't, though. What? I, mean, Allo-
0: well, I don't know how you this, feel about that. Like in France, France, they don't. Are they not allowing little girls to wear yes. headscarves? So,
1: yeah. yeah, I've, I mean, I've written about this that. is like, I've written is it about okay that. For,
0: I, yeah, I'm sure you have I, like, it's like, but then it's sort of like, is it okay for the children? I just, I, I want to make sure people understand though, that when we're talking about this phenomenon, we're talking um, about something that historically has, we've seen in older men. So basically like when it came to transgender identities in the past, there were pretty much two categories. There were very young presenting children who were sort of gender dysphoric and and behaving as if they were the opposite sex from a very very young age,
1: so they were homosexuals. That most of them, like right, I mean, they that- would
0: and they would mostly desist, right? So, but but and most of them ended up being being gay. And at puberty, they would they would desist and just sort of you know realize that they were gay, for better or for worse, depending on their environment. So uh, there was that, and then there was this cohort of men who were mostly not gay in relationships with women, often married, had families. And when they were a little older or in middle age, would be, um, you know, having a sex change. A lot of them had had cross-dressing backgrounds. A lot of their wives knew about this. There was nothing homosexual about it per se. Um, And so you had like a lot of those people transitioning, making sex changes. It's mm-hmm. funny, you know, I lived like 20 years ago, I lived in Lincoln, Nebraska for a few years. And at that time, I think that one of the few gender clinics in the country that, uh, you know, one of the few surgeons that was actually doing a lot of sex change surgeries was in that area. And one of the things that you had to do in order to qualify for the surgery was live as the opposite sex for a year. And so there were a lot Not a lot, but it was not uncommon to see middle-aged guys walking around in women's clothing Mm -hmm. and wigs and makeup, just like at the, you know, hinky dinky supermarket. Mm -hmm. And that was because of this. A lot of men would move to Nebraska for the year so Mm -hmm. they could be near this gender clinic and they would be living this way. So that was only 20 years ago. Yeah. And so what's happened now is that that particular cohort, it's not just these middle-aged guys it's younger boys who are being exposed to not just porn, but like this type of porn often called sissy porn. And there's like a whole bunch of layers of kind of subculture and um,
1: yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, there's I mean, a hall, I, I, yeah. there
0: are better people to describe this than, than us. But um, so I guess like the question is how much of autogonophilia is, is just like inherent, how much of it is just a sort of organic brain function and how much of it is influenced by outside stimuli. I mean, what you were saying a second ago is that it can be kind of like conjured up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, I I feel bad for the people who have it to some degree, you know, not entirely, but to some, but to some degree I do, because I think that we can't really help too much except for what we can do is desist watching porn. If that's what's aggravating a situation but some of these guys they that's not what that's not what uh you know created the kink like the 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 excitement of the kink in their minds um and to the extent that they follow through i mean there's a lot that, that it, it feels to me as if it's a condition where you feel compelled to destroy your life in some way you know i mean th- they might say remake it but we know – we have a lot of evidence of what happens when older people transition. And for, for better or for worse, um, uh, they lose a lot of family members. They lose a lot of friends. They alienate their children. Um, and Some
0: of them. Some, I mean, some but, of them. Okay, but, like, some of them are – I mean, I know several older trans people who are quite happy and have stayed married to the same people they were married to. It can happen,
1: but it's a it's a it's a huge it's a huge shift for there. There are many for whom it doesn't work out at, you know, there's no there's no way to stay married. I mean, there's a whole group of like divorced women who had partners that came out as trans and they had terrible experiences and they support each other and that kind of thing. So there's there's um. It, it's a, it's a huge change that you you make, and I I almost feel as if if they could choose to to not be attracted to this, some some amount of them would would choose to turn it off because it's sort of a compulsion that they just have to oh, follow yeah. to the to the end, and the end can be dangerous. Like these surgeries are dangerous. These um, t- taking up op- synthetic sex hormones of the opposite sex is a an experiment that we're that we're running. Um, and we have no idea what it's about to do to their bodies. Um, we will find out, I'm sh- I'm sure, in the coming generations. But at the, in, in the meantime, they're just uh, taking these steps, and sometimes these steps make them extremely unhappy, especially the gender affirming surgeries, which I don't like this name. I think it's such a Orwellian name. I but know, when, it's, uh, when they speak. Yeah. Yeah. When they modify their genitals to look like the genitals of the opposite sex, um, which without any. Function. Right. I mean, that's right. Right. Which uh, speaking of speaking um, of. I talk about a, the Pulitzer
0: Prizes. The, <laughs> a
1: a celebrated uh, writer named Andrea Long Chu uh, wrote about. Um, and um, Andrea Long Chu is I don't I don't think this I don't think so. Here, OK, before we continue do I have to go with this pronoun business? Because I don't want to. Um, but like, it will get us kicked off of I'll YouTube. And...
0: I will be you. I'll You can be the bad cop and I'll be. I, but I, I'll be I don't want to get kicked off her of a platform, her. to be
1: honest. Like, I, I don't want to. I don't want to say I don't want like, you know, I'm Some not podcast gonna, app to tell us, you know, you can't be on this app because I'm not doing it because, because it's a
0: podcast it. app. I I use. I would only pronouns do it for that reason, out of respect for them. I think it's why like, they don't. You don't know them. I you don't know. If they because want I just think it's for me. It's like I'm not going to die on that hill. I have enough sure. to say about this. I have been uncensored enough. I'm not going to like bog myself down over some pronoun thing. You know what it is? It's kind of like when um, people used to get upset if like they would just use the he pronoun, like, you know, instead of saying like for him or her, like if he was the default when you were talking about people in general and women always used to get upset because it's you should say like, oh, it's up to her or him. It's like, just say him because if like, if I'm, if I'm so insecure as a woman that I'm going to lose my sense of self because of, a pronoun, then I I have bigger problems that need to be addressed. Okay, so okay. I kind we, of at some other that. point, we can but, we yes, can drill fine. into
1: this because I disagree entirely. I think it's okay, uh, I think it's more than just I think it's so the pronoun use, I think, is actually one of the most insidious aspects of all this. Um, But it does not appear to be that way. It appears to be the least insidious aspect of all of it. Um, I, I understand that. Argument. But I, I, I actually yes. think it's 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 the worst thing that 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 we're doing. Um, But really? It, well, not obviously not not include the, 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 the surgeries of the children are, are, are the worst thing, but I meant in the sense of um, out of the, the, the variety the kind of things co- collective complicity. Right. Right. That even that that everyone is really doing, even people who are fairly skeptical, like yourself, um, about what's going on. It doesn't appear to be as bad as it is. And I think that that kind of creates more harm. So So we can talk about this. At a later date. Okay. Um, yeah. So I'll go with they. How about that? Because I don't I don't want to get censored. That's okay, it. Well, I, but I also Andrea, don't feel like okay. using and also,
0: she. Okay, but we should say Andrea Long Chu. These are three names. Andrea, the second name is Long, L-O-N-G. The f- f- third name is Chu,
1: C-H-U. Are they Asian though? They're not.
0: I Okay, so I think they are um, a very small percentage Asian, but I believe Chu is... <laughs> Their married name, I believe, their partner is Asian. Okay. So this is a, a biological male that um, made a transition just just in the last few years and kind of burst onto the scene uh, in a in an essay uh, in the uh, New York Times. Well, in no, before then, there was a better. There
1: was a there was another. There was essay a piece before, before then that
0: was actually extremely good. Yeah, and I Andrea Long Chu is as a very talented writer. Yes,
1: yes, yeah, very um, much so. V- very talented writer, definitely. I, I, uh, it's it's undeniable. I think um, that this this person has you know a career ahead of them, regardless. But what's interesting is I think because <laughs> because of their incredible writing ability, they can get away with. Saying the kinds of things out loud that other trans people don't want them to say out loud um, and also would would get them in trouble if it, if it was just like a less eloquent person stating these things. Um, the kind of woke establishment that, you know, gives them one big warm hug about it every time wouldn't, you know, if you were just being very explicit about it Um and so this, uh, in, in 20, what, 17 or 18, 2018 it was
0: 2018 was the New York times piece right. called, um, my new vagina is not going to make me happy.
1: Won't make me happy.
0: Looks well, that Hey, let me stole my title. I was going to use that for something, but <laughs> fine.
1: Yeah. My old vagina doesn't make me happy. How about that? That can be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks, Sarah.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs>
0: That's the clip. Uh, uh, um, so, okay. So she, he, they wrote this piece about, um, they were heading into surgery um, in, uh, imminently. Uh, and uh, I'll just, the, the way this was in, in, this was a New York times op-ed. And like, so this was November 24th, 2018. So we were still pretty much in like the me too moment here. Um, This was not, we, the, the trans discussion was not uh, in, in,
1: high rotation. This was the race era. This was the, this was when race yeah. was a big deal because remember Donald Trump got elected and then it was all about right. But you're right. Pussy hats too. Pussy hats it were was, also p- a thing. Yeah, yeah. Because,
0: But it wasn't, I mean, it was pre George Floyd. Right. No, um, yes, and it was yes. pre COVID. This was 2018. So yeah. we pussy were still era, pretty, right. okay. pretty pussy hat me too. So yeah. So the way this piece opens next Thursday, I will get a vagina. The procedure will last around six hours and I will be in recovery for at least three months. Until the day I die, my body will regard the vagina as a wound. As a result, it will require regular painful attention to maintain. This is what I want, but there's no guarantee that it will make me happier. In fact, I don't expect it to. That should not disqualify me from getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, that's an honest opening. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says... Uh, he, they says, I like to say that being trans is the second worst thing that ever happened to me. The worst was being born a boy. I'm trying to remember actually how this was received. I mean, when you read this piece, what was your feeling? I can only imagine.
1: I remember it was not, okay, so this is just recollections, but I remember that there was um, a good percentage of like the the woke population that was not happy at Chu for being upfront about the fact that it, it is not a, it's not a life or a death thing. It's just something that I desire and, um, I should be allowed to have it because I desire it. And it, uh, it, so there's a, there's, there's a line in the piece, a gender affirm- affirmative model will almost certainly lead to more and higher quality care for transgender patients. But by focusing on minimizing patient's pain, it leaves a door open for care to be refused when a doctor or someone playing doctor deems the risks too high. Um, <laughs> and there's, so that the, it's incredible to me um, that that, uh, it, it, that that Chu is so um, upfront about this. So on, on the one hand, it was good to see somebody being honest. On the other hand, it it made clear to me that even if uh, this conversation becomes more honest, if we start talking about the fact that there, that that's what's motivating this for a lot of people is just a desire, you know, it, it, as, as true said, it won't, won't make me happy, unlikely to make me happy, but I want it anyway. And I should be allowed to have it anyway. That this argument is going to work. It occurred to me that it's going to work. It's, Mm -hmm. Because this is, um, to some degree, this is the fundamental, you know, it, it, political assumption of mainstream liberalism, liberalism which is, uh, why are you denying me something that if I, you know, want and I literally can have, then who are you to say no to me? And I think that this desire chasing, like, um, philosophy I mean, it, it was decried as such. Liberalism has been, you know, defamed by its, you know, by by others for a very long time as being, you know, something that can be ultimately reduced to chasing desires. And I've often felt that they, that that was an in, it, it was too harsh and it missed the point of liberalism. But it's hard not to feel uh, reading a piece like this and. And also noticing that it changed nothing. You know, it, it, it wasn't the case that some amount of New York Times fil- uh, readers read this and thought, you know what, I can't support this. Yeah, that, that, that that's not what happened. That should have happened. It should have, a significant amount of them should have read this piece and said, mm. okay, if this is what's going on, that I don't support it. That's what they should have done. But they didn't do it, you know? They didn't do it. So. Yeah. I, I mean, what's so...
0: This is so confounding because, okay, like my really counterintuitive take here is that awarding the Pulitzer to Andrea Longchu, and by the way, Andrea Longchu is a cultural critic in New York Magazine. She writes a lot about books. She writes a lot about um, the relationship between authors and their own work. She, She comes out of a really hardcore academic tradition, like serious literary theory, so, you know, has been operating in this, like, incredibly hypothetical kind of um, mean, mine, I never know how to pronounce that. Um, and it's, you know, when you see somebody who comes from this, like, academic tradition where they're really just, um, they're, they're applying kind of, a, 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 their approach to logic and rhetoric um, is, is in a register that is, so kind of um, it's so hypothetical and theoretical that it only kind of works in an academic on an academic landscape. And then when you take it and pick it up and try to sort of move it over to the mainstream media, uh, it's 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 jarring for people, although what's happened now is there's such a reverence for this kind of literary theory, kind of intellectual approach that I think people just kind of fake it and pretend that but that that they're going along with it. But that said, Andrea Longchu has been so unapologetic Mm -hmm. about autogonophilia Mm -hmm. and about the reality of this particular kind of trans identity that I feel like giving her the prize is a way for the establishment to kind of say, "Okay, yeah, we know what you're up to. We're going to acknowledge that this is true. And it's it's a way of
1: smuggling it in. And yeah, and it's fine. That's the other. That's it has to be it? because they, you wouldn't give it a prize. Well you know, you that, don't give I mean, a, it's not an acknowledgement that it exists. It is yes, it exists and you are still deemed worthy of, you know, reverence. You are still someone who, who we we look forward to seeing what you are going to do next. But um, I actually do
0: look forward to well, seeing what she writes because no, 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 often I, it has nothing yes, to do this with this. Yes, this person, mean, yes, 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 sure.
1: But I'm talking about the fact that, you know, I, what you're saying I in terms know. of smuggling in autogonophilia as far well, as this they're particular smog- person. They're
0: smuggling, in, they're smuggling in a recognition that autogonophilia exists. Yes. And like if somebody was to, if, if, if Ray Blanchard, Ray Blanchard is not going to get a, a, a major prize for saying autogonophilia exists because right. he is like a cis white guy, but if Andrea Long Chu, who checks all the right boxes and is operating in an acceptable s- sphere, is writing about stuff that's actually kind of pretty interesting, and oh by the way has also acknowledged that autogonophilia exists, I feel like this might just be sort of one small step to making it okay to even start to talk about this. Now, maybe I'm giving the Pulitzer prize committee way too
1: much credit. That's likely, but. So I think, I think, well, it's a very, (laughs) I just, um, I admire your optimism. I do. And I wish I could agree, but. I one, I think I do think you're giving them too much credit. I don't think they they they're really thinking about this this deeply. But it's also the case that it's too hard to deny. You know what I mean? Like, it's too it's too it's like the um, the lab leak thing, you know, like we get to a point where there's so much evidence now or or, you know, that that there's so much reason behind it that you can't you can't continue denying it any longer. So you have to. You have to say, okay, you know, but they don't say just any kind of okay. They don't say, okay, let's have an open discussion. They say, okay, and this is fine. You know, it's like that clown world meme where it's like it's not happening. You know, you're a racist for like recognizing it. And then the next step is, you know, uh, it is happening and it's good, actually. Like that's that's kind of where we I think that's where (laughs) we are. We're at the it is happening and it's good, actually stage. I think that that's the next step for. A lot of these woke people, we're going to start seeing very explicit, um, uh, you know, we saw explicit denials of AGP. And I think the next step is that uh, we're going to see defenses of AGP. Right. Um, and they're going to be, no, this is it is this is what's happening. And and so what's wrong with it? Um, um, you know, don't quick don't kink shame them for what, you know, uh, for their experiences and. Um, I think that I I I wouldn't be surprised. I would bet a lot of money actually if it that that's going to we're going to start seeing them more and more. It's going to go from being an absurd uh you know, an absurdity to uh something you could point to you can point to examples and say this woman's doing it and here's another woman that's doing it and here's another dude that's doing it. I mean just to give an example of the kind of the kind of tone
0: that this writer has been operating in for a really long time. So Um, here's a piece, um, from 2013, the byline is Andy Chu. So this is Andrea Long Chu. So maybe I'm wrong about Chu being, um, her partner's name. Maybe that's just the name she's been going Mm. by. So I stand corrected if that was wrong, but anyway, Andy Chu is the byline. This is, I am not a racist. This was in the Duke university Chronicle 2013. This is how it opens. I am one of the organizers. I am a racist, is the name of this piece. Did I misspeak? I am a racist. That's the title. I am one of the organizers of last week's Race is Not a Party protest. That sounds like a fun protest. I am straight. I am male. I am white mostly. I am comfortably middle class. My girlfriend, who also helped organize last week's protest, is Chinese. And every day I oppress her because she's a woman and because she's Chinese. When we disagree, I assume she's acting irrational. I fetishize her Chinese qualities and use them to massage my own colonial sense of multiculturalism. I relish the notion of having mixed race children, but I remind myself that I would never raise them with a backward Chinese notion of family. I objectify her. I exoticize her. I see her race and her gender before I see her. It's obvious. I am a racist. I am a sexist
1: okay that's an incredible well i and, mean and again this is this is what i like about andrea andrea chu uh-huh. which is that they're they're just they just say it the thing that's that you're right. not supposed to say they just say it um and that is there is something admirable about it um but they don't i don't i don't agree that they're fully honest because i think there is uh it even in their writing to the extent they go around agp and they kind of admit to aspects of it. They don't admit to all of it. They won't mm-hmm. qualify this, their dysphoria that way. So there is subterfuge going on, um, but there is in 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 some in some pieces like brutal, like kind of disturbing levels of honesty. Actually, which is makes them an interesting an interesting writer, I think.
0: I I mean, it's a way it's, it's, it's a young person's way of writing. I mean, I experimented with that kind of stuff when I was a young writer, not to that extent, Mm -hmm. but, um, it is when you're trying to be honest in your writing and you're trying to state an uncomfortable truth, the best way to do it is to implicate yourself to implicate the narrator. So instead of saying the world is filled with people who fetishize their Asian girlfriends, I do. It's, it's easier to say, I do this. So I'm speaking from my lived experience and I'm owning up to this and I am telling you that this goes on. Yeah. So the problem with that is that it can become, there's a self-flagellation that starts to almost feel fetishistic in and of itself. Right. Right. Um, but, uh, but we should also say, I'm trying to pull up the piece. So, you know, really famously, um, Andrea Longchu has written about auto, autogonophilia and just wanting to be a woman and really fetishizing female distress and vulnerability and like just talking about reducing women to sexual objects as if they're like a doll. She's talked about an, a gaping open orifice of a mouth. Yeah, and this was in uh, the book Females.
1: Okay, yeah. Yeah. Like I think um, that right? That was uh the most offensive quotes I think from mm-hmm. from True about women tend to come from that book. Right. So
0: I mean, so they have done this thing where they have admitted to objectifying and degrading uh women and then saying, but this this is arousing to me. It's not only arousing to me, it's not even so much arousing me to To degrade women. What's arousing to me is to be a woman that is degraded. Yeah, and so I'm going to live out this experience. Yeah. So I guess the question is, do how much out in the open can we tolerate? Because obviously this goes on. People have all kinds of fetishes, Mm -hmm. and they live all kinds of lives. Mm -hmm. And so, like, is there a world in which somebody could take this on? Is there a version of Andrea Long Chu that would be like, that would be palatable, I guess, is my question to you.
1: I don't think there's a way to do this. There's no decent way to do this um, unless you allow people to not participate. You know, unless you give them the option to not participate. So long as I have to call this person she. And I mean, I, I would be surprised if I was allowed to be, you know, like, like have a discourse with Andrea Chu and not and and use the pronouns I want to use that I feel like are appropriate for the situation, because this doesn't seem to be, this is not a female experience. Um, and even if it was, uh, you know, I mean, even, even that word, even that phrase is actually kind of nonsense female experience because I think female is something you are or you are not. Um, and there's nothing experiences or just something that mm-hmm. happened to people, female body people. Um, that one can call female experiences, but it's just, um, it's, uh, can I say no? Can I opt out? Can I have a discourse with you and and say, I don't buy any of it and, and still remain on your good side and still be able to have a relationship with you. I mean, there's a few trans women who are like who kind of float around in gender critical circles that who are, who are, um, like honest and like very rational and Blair uh, White.
0: Well, we'll, 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 but
1: but, we'll. we'll, Yeah. Blair White ish. Yeah. There's others as well, I think, Um, because Blair White, I wouldn't call AGP. Um, uh, Oh,
0: sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about just gender critical trans people. Right. Right.
1: Right. Um, I'm talking about AGP. Caitlin
0: Jenner has said that she is AGP,
1: I believe. Oh, really? I didn't know Mm -hmm. that, Um, but I I, I think, I think, well, it's obvious, right? That Caitlyn Jenner is the exact, this is the prototypical like AGP. This is what an AGP looks like. Um, But so long as I, I can opt out, I can use the pronouns that I want to use. And I can also say that you don't belong in female spaces. You know, like so long as I can do all of that, wear what you want, do what you want, live out your life as a woman that doesn't, you know, like as a woman, you know, like wearing the long, the dresses and the doing the hair and doing, uh, pretending you're getting your period, that's fine. You know, you live in your fantasy if that's how you want to live uh, your life. Um, I accept kink to that degree, you know, in any, in any context. I, I accept it as a private affair um, or as a more public one if that, you know, that public uh, consents to being a part of it. Um, I don't consent, though. And I want my consent to be uh, meaningful. And I want that to be respected. And not a sign of any kind of bigotry. I don't think that uh, Andrea Longchu is a woman in any way. You know, I don't think they're, I don't think they're, If it, they're not even woman-ish. You know, some some male to female transitioners, you can see are very hyper-feminine males. Um, and you can you can understand the logic behind uh, why they would feel more comfortable in like a female role. Um having but having said that that's not how i see this person at all that's not you know this is a very prototypical male actually um and so why mm. i i don't want to i don't want to use the i don't want to participate um if you know a trans uh, an agp trans person will allow me to be you know um to not participate and that's acceptable to them i think that that's that that's then let's have a conversation then let's be friends let, you know then let's Let's chat about what's going on. And I actually do know people like this, like I, I you know, few, but I do know people who are uh, able to respect the fact that I don't want to respect the pronouns um, mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, there have been there are I mean, I haven't fully uh, at some point I'm going to write about it, but uh have a co- kind of a complicated opinion on 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 pronouns and what they mean and when we should use them um but when it comes to agps i think they should never be used um and that's probably a reason for more poor agps to lie about it uh, and mm-hmm. try and cover it up as much as possible because they know that for many people blair white is acceptable and they're willing to say to a very highly feminine person uh like okay we're just gonna like we're gonna all live in this like uh, fantasy where you are actually a woman, or we're just going to do this because it makes you comfortable. Um, but very few people, or comparatively fewer people, are are willing to do that to an AGP. They recognize that. Um, but uh, there was an interesting piece on Tablet, uh, "The Long Goodbye," which was mm-hmm. in, uh, uh, about, about, about about Andrea, about Andrea. Yeah. Um, and you know, it goes over some of what what we went over and some of what you just touched touched on, which is there's this like desire to. Uh, I mean, the tablet piece uh, written by Blake Smith, he, he connects it to like Christianity, you know, like it, it starts by talking about Saul changing his name to Paul um, when they abandoned the Jewish faith and uh, the, the denouncing of what was and this new identity being taken on um, and connects that to um, Andrew Long Chu's path um, from racist, white-ish male yes to you know uh the person who tells us what womanhood is uh and wow, it's a book about so, females an and it's just a, it is inspiring yeah, she, and i, I think some do
0: it so can you
1: some aspect of all of this um uh, of the fact that andrea long true despite being this blunt and and honest and kind of uh you know in in the grotesque aspects of it is still celebrated is is because there is a there's an element of elite like literary society that just enjoys subversion so much yes. that even subversion of their you know narrative if if done in a style that they can admire is uh, is acceptable and even um like the the best way to do it you know like it's like the 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 special sauce of of being right. a great, and, of a, being and a great that writer. and the that
0: andrea longchu is not a a, a white person totally that helps a lot. I think if she had been total, if she identified as white, I don't think she would have gotten this far. Just a little, little, you know, little dash of POC
1: status. Well, I think, yeah, it's a little dash of it, but it's, it's, it's it's, mo- it's mostly the, the, I'm a woman now and I've,
0: it's, it, it's mostly, but yeah, um, yeah, I, I will right. say that uh, the, one of the runners up for the Pulitzer prize and criticism was Jason Farago of the New York times who just wrote one of the most uh, just delicious pieces that I have read in in recent memory about um, this uh, exhibit at the Brooklyn Museum that was curated by Hannah Gadsby. (laughs) And it was an absolute takedown. Um, They did a, you know, so Hannah Gadsby is the um, Nanette, uh, uh, Nanette, uh, Australian, uh, neurodiverse, uh, non-binary. I'm not quite sure how she identifies. Uh, m- monologist. I'm not going to call her a comic. Uh, that's all about talking about how um, Picasso is. Uh, you know, all all, all all the the great canon of of art and artists are all problematic, and we need to stop worshiping them. So the Brooklyn Museum put on a an exhibit called "It's Pablo Picasso according to Hannah Gadsby. And, uh, this was just a, a takedown of epic proportions and so brilliant. And, uh, I was really happy to see that, uh, by Jason Farrago, who, uh, lost the, uh, Pulitzer prize and criticism to Andrea Longchu. So there you have it. Um, well, we should probably, uh, wrap up. We've been going a while.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah we should
0: tell we should we should remember to tell we have to do our call to action tell people what they need to know before we sign oh off. yeah
1: yeah um if you want to get access to the bonus uh and we do we usually go on we're like well 15 to sometimes we 30 day. i mean we, sometimes they're long um but we it's they're usually not that short because we just we're just droners we can't help it uh but if you want access to the bonus which we record at the end of every you know um, episode, there's like a longer version of the episodes that are available. Um, you have to subscribe to our Substack um, and you can go to a aspecialplace.substack.com to get to the, to get the longer version, the longer feed. Um, at the moment it's available in audio. I think with video, we're working on it, giving like the l- longer video um, episodes as well, making them available. Um, so that's coming, but you can definitely access um the rest of it in in audio form uh and we usually you know we we save the the more personal stuff for last and sometimes it's a sometimes they're spicy sometimes they're spicy takes very spicy takes yeah um and you can all and in this way you can also join into our comment community which is um on substack um so great and we were so
0: smart they're they're too smart
1: it's it's kind of like it's a little frustrating they keep calling me out and it's very annoying yeah. I don't want to be called out. I want to be. No, you know who's
0: in charge here. Yeah,
1: right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, uh, subscribe if you want access to that. Um, and go go to our Substack and check that out as well. Um, and please rate and review us. Um, on wherever you're getting this 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 podcast or you know, video cast. I don't know what do you call it. Video video what. I it's mean, just the we're still going, we're just podcast. saying. We're, okay. I really
0: think it's better to listen to it on audio. I mean, I, it's just the way podcasts should be listened to. Okay, well,
1: I, not say uh, that, I don't know. You're not supposed to say that, you're supposed to say it's yeah. amazing in every it's you know, amazing whatever, we're doing whatever it on suits video. you. It's, it's amazing because amazing.
0: It's amazing. Um, you can see Hugo walk by. Hugo,
1: yeah, you can see one of my lights back like, back like turn off is, for no reason, Yeah. Totally know. <laughs> right. Um, so you can see our technical glitches are, um, a sight to, to behold anyway. Um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you can, uh, check that out. Um, but please, yeah, please rate us review, um, say something nice. Uh, yeah. if this is not like, this is a passion project. Okay. So we need to, we need encouragement. Yeah, we, we, we need we affirmation. Don't to, we
0: don't want it to be a passion project. We don't we want, want it to be a passion be project. Paid. We want to make money. So um, please take the passion out of this project for us. Uh, yeah. uh and I would also say, speaking of which, um, the Unspeakeasy Retreat in Austin, Texas coming up has a few more spots available. And Bridget Fetissey is gonna be our guest speaker. So that is it's June very 24th exciting. and 25th. She is and She's lovely. amazing. Yeah. In-person yeah. retreat in Austin. So go to the theunspeakeasy.com if you'd like more information about that. Okay, everyone. Take care. Thanks. Hi, it's Megan from A Special Place in Hell. If you enjoy the show and want to support it, there are a couple of ways you can do that. The first is to join our Substack, at place.substack.com. There you can get access to bonus content every week. You can participate in listener comment threads, and you can even join us for Zoom hangouts where we get together and talk about the show and answer all of your questions. You can also rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts, including on our new YouTube channel, which is called A Special Place in Hell. Sarah and I are really excited about the future of the podcast, and we're so grateful to have you along with us. So thanks for listening, and we will see you in hell.